Welcome to Healthy vs. Toxic, the podcast where licensed mental health professionals explore what makes a relationship healthy or unhealthy or even abusive, all from a scientifically informed perspective. Well, this is Dr. Grande. Today's question asks, is the idea of avoiding a relationship with somebody who's narcissistic cruel? Right. So what this is getting at is if somebody is having difficulty with a narcissist, is it really okay for that person just to break off a relationship completely with the narcissist? Is that taking things too far? Another question I'll answer here is, should we ban narcissism, right? This is a different type of question. I'm not sure that's really possible to ban narcissism, but I think it's kind of looking at the same issue, right? It's this frustration with having to be exposed to narcissistic behavior. So as I refer to narcissism here, I'm talking about maladaptive narcissism, which would include at an extreme and pathological narcissism, not adaptive narcissism, right? A lot of the traits of narcissism are fairly common. And just because somebody has a few characteristics of narcissism doesn't mean that it's necessarily problematic. So with that banning narcissism question, if we think about this, it's kind of like saying, instead of driving to work, should we just step in a transporter and appear there like something out of Star Trek, right? I mean, sure, I guess that would save a lot of time and the cost of owning a car and all that, but it's not possible, right? So if narcissism could be banned, I guess that in most situations would be a good thing. You know, again, talking about maladaptive or pathological narcissism, but we can no more ban narcissism than we can ban any other destructive personality trait. So should we ban narcissism? I don't know how we could ban it, right? So that's kind of how I'd answer that. We really have no way of doing that. So when people deal with narcissists in family, work, romantic, and other types of relationships, they often come to the conclusion, learned the easy way and sometimes the hard way, that narcissism exposure is too painful to maintain over a long period of time. In essence, it's not healthy to be harmed by a narcissist, not in the short run, not in the long run, not by one narcissist, not by many. The cost is simply too high. But at the same time, of course, people want to be supportive of other people. They don't want to just abandon others and give up on them. Obviously, a casual acquaintance is easier to give up on than a brother, sister, son, daughter, or a parent. But no matter what the relationship, again, the pain and the damage can just become too much for somebody to handle. To understand this dilemma, we have to understand the context of avoiding relationships with a narcissist. What does it mean to not have contact with a narcissist? Well, a lack of contact means not allowing a narcissist to engage in an interpersonal relationship with you. It means that there's no emotional connection, no friendship, no romance, no sharing of feelings, and most importantly, no trust. It means that somebody will not allow themselves to be vulnerable to narcissistic manipulation. It doesn't mean that if you're walking down the aisle of a grocery store and you see a narcissist enter into the other side of the aisle that you have to run the other way, right? It's not a general thing. It's a commitment to avoid close contact with specific narcissists, often just one specific narcissist. It's not a philosophy that affects the entire population. It's a strategy of self-protection that protects one person from another person. Also, this strategy does not apply to helping professionals. 
Counselors treat everybody who wants to be treated. And in some settings, they treat people who don't want to be treated, right? Like in court settings, forensic settings. But either way, this is not talking about the professional realm. It's talking about the personal realm. There can be a counselor who treats people with narcissistic traits all day long as part of their job. And when that counselor gets home, they may make active efforts to avoid narcissists in their life. Again, at a personal level. Incidentally, this dichotomy, professional versus personal, when looking at psychopathology, is not new. It doesn't just apply to narcissism. It can apply to a lot of areas. For example, a counselor may work with people who use substances but not want to associate with substance users in their personal lives, probably for the same reason somebody would avoid a narcissist. They don't want the pain and the damage that comes along with that type of personal relationship. And in the case of substance use, there may be concerns about codependence as well. But either way, this whole professional versus personal issue is not new. But I suppose there's an even larger issue at work here. Is having a lack of contact with the narcissist the only other choice to being in a relationship with a narcissist? Is there a middle ground? For some, it probably is the only choice. But for many, setting strict boundaries is another option. One could argue that when a narcissist repeatedly violates those strict boundaries is when people choose to break off all contact. Welcome to the Bravery Academy. My name is Emma Ferris and I'm your host. This podcast is crafted to share the stories of courageous individuals who have overcome adversity and found the courage to live their best lives. We'll explore the science of well-being, courage and connection and interview top thought leaders, game changers and survivors. And it's from these stories that we learn what resilience is, how to heal, how to recover, and how to be brave. Hi there, I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardnopodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. So what's best for society in the long run? Every individual has to make their own decision, but if everybody chose not to engage with narcissists, would that be a good thing? So I thought about this question for a while over the course of the last several days. It's kind of a philosophical question that hits at a societal level. So I'll explore this philosophical angle and then come back and answer this question along with the original question for this video, is avoiding a narcissist cruel? So on the one hand, nothing would compel someone to change more quickly than to stop all rewards for narcissistic behavior, right? So If people avoided relationships with narcissists, that may lead to some types of changes. On the other hand, people learn social skills by socializing, by having meaningful contact with other people. We would hope that when a narcissist sees compassion, empathy, 
and caring, they would want to emulate those characteristics. What's more, narcissism is on a continuum. So at what level does somebody become a true narcissist? And are all of the characteristics of narcissism destructive to others? Clearly manipulation is, but what about having fantasies of success and power? Is that really harming anybody? Or if somebody believes that they are special and unique? It's not really clear that that's going to damage people at some larger scale, like cause a lot of damage. So again, not all aspects of narcissism are destructive. So figuring out who would be a destructive narcissist versus who would not be would be very difficult. When it comes down to it, all of these questions are individual, even if they do have a larger societal consequence. Some people can tolerate very high degrees of narcissism exposure, and other people can't tolerate any. As a society, narcissists keep getting rewarded for being narcissistic. They get promoted in companies. They are able to surround themselves with people who help manipulate others. These people are attracted to the narcissist. These are the so-called flying monkeys, a reference from The Wizard of Oz. I call them narcissistic agents. Narcissists are able to hurt people, then reject the very people that they just hurt, and then move on and cause damage somewhere else. Also, narcissism is on the rise. Every year, we see the percent of the population who is narcissistic increases. And many people don't know the dangers of narcissism, even when they're able to detect it, right? Even when they understand it's narcissism, they don't really get how destructive it can be interpersonally. So there's really no danger of a wholesale societal rejection of all narcissists. Different people will look at a narcissist and see different things, right? Some people will see a threat, a danger, someone who will manipulate them, someone who is too dangerous to have a relationship with, someone who is beyond redemption. Others won't see narcissism at all. It doesn't really seem to concern them. Or they're being manipulated by a narcissist, so they think that they are the problem and the narcissist isn't the problem. In essence, they're trapped in a world of self-doubt and low self-esteem caused by the narcissist. Others will look at the narcissist and appreciate the danger, but believe they can help. Some of those people will have an opportunity to help and motivation to help, and others won't. So people see narcissism in different ways. So is avoiding a narcissist cruel, right? That original question. And my answer would be not if it's necessary, but I hope there would be other options that would be explored before that option. And certainly we would want to continue to support counseling options for those who are narcissistic. Narcissism is arguably the most challenging personality trait. It's caused when a young person is neglected, invalidated, bullied, treated without compassion, or given too much praise, rewarded in the absence of accomplishment. And once that narcissist is formed, they go on to expose others to that narcissism. The damage spreads. So we won't break the cycle by ignoring narcissism. We won't break the cycle exclusively by avoiding relationships with narcissists. But we won't break the cycle by suffering either, by maintaining toxic relationships with narcissists. Allowing yourself to be damaged by a narcissist doesn't help you or them. It comes at a cost to you and it reinforces the destructive behavior in the narcissist. Of course, many, unfortunately, have no choice but to be exposed to narcissism. So moving on to the other question, what's best for society in the long run? Well, it's really about behavior. Personality is largely set when somebody's young, as I mentioned. We cannot change that easily, but we can identify certain behaviors as being 
unacceptable, for example, manipulation and other forms of emotional abuse. These narcissistically driven behaviors should be treated as any other unacceptable behavior. How do we treat somebody in a work setting when they come into work every day intoxicated? Or how do we treat a person who steals from their family members? There are going to be consequences, both individual and societal level consequences. Everyone's going to take action when those types of things happen. We also need to be aware of the victims of narcissistic behavior and offer them help, the help that they need. This is often overlooked. So what we really have to ask ourselves is at what point does narcissism become socially unacceptable? At what point do we stop rewarding that behavior regardless of where it comes from? Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. The producers for this show are Christopher Brightigan and Madison Linden. The executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. For more content, please visit our website at arslanga.media. To leave feedback or suggestions, send an email to info at arslanga.media. To find more content from Dr. Grande, including a link to his YouTube channel and his other Ars Longa podcasts, visit our website at arslanga.media. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and should not be construed as medical or mental health advice. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife Maggie and son Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence. And give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.